0: Shalom, everyone. This is Kalev Bendor. At the end of chapter 14, which we learned with Rabbi Joe on Tuesday, Erev Yom Kippur, was about how the kingdom of Israel, the northern kingdom, was able to expand its borders under the leadership of the II. As many of his predecessors were, Yorovam did not act justly. But the rise of the kingdom of Assyria, Ashur, means that Israel's long-time enemy Aram is kept busy and this removes the security threat from the kingdom. This once again sheds light on the difficult balancing act that both the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel had to dance between different empires whether that be Aram, Assyria, Egypt or ultimately Babel, Babylon. But at the beginning of chapter 15 we read about a period in both kingdoms where there's no major threat on the horizon. In fact, things haven't been better for a while. Yorovam, who we mentioned, is the, king of, is the king of Israel. And he ends up reigning for 41 years. And in Judah, we read about King Azariah, who in other places is called Uzziah. He reigns for 52 years and also strengthens his kingdom. There are certainly criticisms of his reign, as we'll read in the book of Isaiah. But the external security situation of both kingdoms is very solid. If by the end of chapters 15 and 16, which describes events which take place in parallel to one another, things have gone badly wrong. The kingdom of Israel sees a number of different kings, some lasting a month, others six months, others a few years, But all the changes bring a huge amount of insecurity and instability. At a certain stage, the kingdom of Israel and Aram actually join together to block the rise of Ashur and their king, Tiglath-Pileser III, who we know from other documents rules from 745 to 727 BCE. And Israel and Aram even try and attack the kingdom of Judah Chapter 16 begins with the young king of Judah, Achaz, who's Uzziah's grandson, facing this joint alliance, and in desperation, Achaz offers to become a vassal state of Ashur. In verse seven to eight of chapter 16, we read, "Vaishlach Achaz melachim el Pileser melech Ashur le-mo, Alev So Achaz sent messengers to Tiglas Pileser, king of Assyria, saying, I'm your servant and your son. Come up and save me out of the hand of the king of Aram, and out of the hand of the King of Israel, who rise up against me. Vaikah Akaz et Akesef veet Hanimsa bet and Ahaz took the silver and the gold that was found in the house of Hashem and in the treasures of the king's house and sent it for a present to the king of Assyria. Interestingly, Achaz doesn't just offer to become a general vassal state to Ashur. He doesn't just say, Avdecha ani, I will be your servant. He also says, Bincha ani, I'm your son. In other words, I'll adopt your cultural ways as well. And what we see is that Judah completely adopts Assyrian ways, including copying an altar that the Assyrian king, Telgad Pileser, has placed in Damascus, But the kingdom of Judah survives. And verse nine tells us, Vayshma elav Ashur, Vayal Ashur el Kira, and the king of Assyria hearkened to Ahaz. And the king of Assyria went up to Damascus, as an Aram, and took it and carried the people of it captive to Kir and slew Rezin, who's the king of Aram, who's allied with the king of Israel. And it isn't only Aram that Ashur destroys. He also attacks parts of the Shomron. So in chapter 15, verse 29, we read that Be Pekach Melech Israel, Ba Tiglat pilaser Melech Ashur, Vikachet Ion, Vet Avel Betmacha, Vet Yanoach, Vet Kedesh, Vet Khatzur Vet Hagilad, Vet Haglilla, kol Eret Naphtali. In the days of Pekach, king of Israel, Tiglat Pileshe, king of Ashur, came and took Ijon and Abel Betmacha and Yanoah and Kedesh, and Chatzor, and Gilad, and the Galilee, all the land of Naphtali, and he carried them captive to Assyria. This is the beginning of the exile of the ten tribes, ten years before the rest, in which areas such as Chatzor, and Gilad, and the Galil, all of the areas of Naphtali, are sent to Assyria. And this, as we begin chapter 17, both the kingdom of Judah ruled by Ahaz, and the kingdom of Israel, ruled by, ruled by Hoshea ben Elah, are under the rule or heavy influence of Assyria and its king Shalmanezer the fifth, with Tiglat the third son, and who rules from 727 to 722 BCE. And for some reason, perhaps due, due to a change in Assyrian kings, we know that Shalmaneser was believed to have been assassinated by his younger brother, Sargon II, who then takes the throne. We read in verse four of chapter 17 of some sort of conspiracy. <laughs> and the king of Assyria found conspiracy in Hoshea, for he'd sent messengers to So, king of Egypt, and offered no present to the king of Assyria as he'd done year by year. Therefore, the king of Assyria shut him up and bound him in prison. And the king of Assyria came up throughout all the land and went up to Samaria and besieged it for three years. And then ultimately, as we read in verse six, in the ninth year of Hoshea, the king of Assyria took Samaria and carried Israel away to Assyria and placed them in Chala and in Chavol on the river of Gozan and in the cities of the Medes. We then have a fascinating section in chapter 17, which has a real different feel to most of the other parts of Melachim It's a different narrative voice that gives a theological layer of explanation as to why this exile took place, which in short, is because of the sins against God. And it's a reminder of something we've learned before. The land vomits out inhabitants who do not deal justly. It reminds us that the land can be polluted, that the land can be defiled. And over a period of several centuries, that's exactly what the inhabitants have been doing. We then learn that these exiles are replaced by other peoples, from Kuta, from Ava, from Hamat, from Sepharvaim. And they're placed in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel. And this is part of Ashur's imperial policy of exiling nations and replacing them with other nations. And these exiled people, who subsequently become known as the Shomronim, the Sumerians, don't do much better. When they continue to worship their idols, Hashem sends lions to devour them. So they complain to the king of Assyria, and he brings one of the exiled Kohanim to come back to Bet El to teach them, ech yiru et Adonai, how they should fear Hashem. All in all, it's pretty depressing stuff. But I'd like to end with a somewhat positive note regarding what happened to those who were exiled. The myth of the 10 tribes is fascinating as has, and has enthralled people for centuries. The first chapter of Simon Schama's fantastic book on the story of the Jews, the second section, begins with the appearance of David Haruveni in Venice sometime around Hanukkah, 1523. Calling himself son of Solomon and brother to King Joseph, ruler of the lost tribes of Ruvain, Gad, and Menashe that dwelt in the far east beyond the Sambation River, David sought and ultimately received audiences both with Pope Clement VII and Emperor Charles V, offering them the assistance of his imaginary Jewish armies to wrest the Holy Land from Suleiman the Magnificent's grip. And throughout the centuries, a number of peoples around the world have claimed they're connected or descended from the 10 tribes, including one especially intriguing suggestion that the Pashtuns on the Pakistan-Afghanistan border may have connections. It would certainly be interesting, indeed, if the Taliban and the Jews of Israel were part of the same family. But I'd like to bring something from the great teacher of Tanakh, Rav Yol bin Nun, who argues that not all of the 10 tribes disappeared without a trace. He points out that the Chizkiyahu, who we'll read about going forwards, built a lot in Jerusalem immediately after this time, which suggests that many of the exiles fled southwards to the kingdom of Judah. And he adds that some must have stayed where they were. In Divrei Amim, we'll read of how Hezgiel send, sends messengers to what used to be the northern kingdom about Pesach in Jerusalem. And some people come. Moreover, the prophet Yirmiyahu, Jeremiah also describes men from Shiloh on the Shomron who even after the kingdom of Judah has been destroyed and exiled, try to come to Jerusalem with mincha and Levona, with meal offerings and frankincense. In other words, the Jewish people, wherever we may be, aren't just descended from the tribes of Yehuda and Benjamin and some of us from Levi, but actually from all of the tribes. And with that, I wish everyone a Chag Sameach.